For the last decade, email has proven to be one of the most effective marketing tools for authors. But before you can sell books to your email subscribers, they need to know who you are, they need to like you, and they need to trust you, at least trust you enough to give you their money in exchange for your book. Readers who sign up for your email newsletter after reading one of your books already know you, like you, and trust you. But what about someone who signed up for your email newsletter to receive your reader magnet? What if you haven't yet published a book? How do you get these readers to know you if you don't have a book for them to read yet? As your platform grows, subscribers will sign up for your email newsletter even though they don't really know who you are. And if they don't get to know you quickly, they will unsubscribe. If you introduce yourself in every email you send, that will irritate your existing subscribers. So what should you do? The solution is to write a series of emails to introduce yourself and your writing to your new subscriber. And after a subscriber has been subscribed for a day, they get the first email where you introduce yourself. A few days later, they get the second email where you introduce your book and so on. After a few emails, your new subscriber has a good idea who you are, what you write, and most importantly, whether or not they're interested in getting more emails. You want them to be able to have the information in hand to either keep going or get off the list. You Believe it or not, you actually want them to unsubscribe if they're not interested. You don't want to pay for an email subscriber to stay on your list if they're not going to go on to become a reader. You might have heard this sequence called a drip sequence, an onboarding sequence, or a nurturing campaign. Uh, But whatever you call it, it's a series of emails that helps your new subscribers get to know you better. This is the ultimate email marketing tactic. And sadly, one many authors don't know how to use. Well, not today, not for you. In this episode, you're going to learn exactly how to create an onboarding sequence. And if you're not sure what to say in your emails, Don't worry, help is on the way. I've created an example drip sequence that you can download and customize. This is a free companion to this episode that you can download at authormedia.com slash 255 for episode 255. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this, of course, is Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. And now let's get to onboarding sequences and how to build an onboarding sequence in six easy steps. Step number one is to stop using MailChimp. The number one reason most authors don't have an onboarding campaign is because they use MailChimp. If you're using the free MailChimp service, you can't create an onboarding sequence. You don't even have the option. If you're using the paid version of MailChimp, while it is technically possible to create an onboarding sequence, I don't know many authors who've successfully set one up without having to hire professional help. Even when linking to tutorials, most of the tutorials weren't even by MailChimp. This is just not in their grid for whatever reason. And as I've mentioned before in my episode about choosing an email provider, if you're paying for MailChimp, you can save money uh, and have a better, less stressful experience by switching to ConvertKit or to MailerLite. And I'll have uh, links to both of those, affiliate links to both of those in the show notes. And when it comes to which to pick, I have a whole episode on the pros and cons of each. But the uh, short summary is that if you have a thousand subscribers or less, I recommend MailerLite. And if you have 2,000 subscribers or more and you're currently on MailChimp, 
I recommend switching to ConvertKit. But there's a lot of factors. I do encourage you to listen to episode 251, how to pick the right email platform. Step number two is to write the email sequence in your word processor. The second reason authors don't create an onboarding sequence is because they don't know what to say. Well, let's fix that right now. Now, I recommend that you write these emails in your word processor so you separate the work of writing the emails from the work of figuring out how to get them to drip out to your new subscribers. Those are very different tasks, and trying to solve both puzzles at the same time makes things harder for no benefit. So for now, don't worry about the technical steps. We'll keep those puzzle pieces in the box, and we'll wait to open that box until we have this puzzle fully finished. For now, we're just gonna focus on the writing. This is the fun part. Uh, So before I talk about the specific emails, let me give you a couple of general guidelines. You want these emails to feel like they are coming from you personally. So you don't wanna put from the desk of your name, but you want them to feel simple and like the kind of email you send on a normal basis. Uh, You want the email to start with, Dear Bob, and end with Sincerely Jill, or whatever your name is. Uh, The email should come from an email address that you check regularly. Ideally, you want your name at yourname.com, if you can manage it. And each email should include a question. So you may be wondering, why do I want to ask my email subscribers questions? Well, let me tell you. The more your subscribers answer these questions and reply to your emails, the less likely your future emails are to land in their promotions or junk folders. And as readers email you back, you can respond personally. And this, if you do it correctly, will start building a relationship and help transform them into true fans. These are the kinds of fans that will leave you a review and help advocate for you, maybe even join your launch team. Also, the better you get to know your readers, the easier it is to write for them in the future. So getting to know your readers is a really key strategy, and it's very much in line with the first and second commandments of the book marketing commandments. Now, I read every email that a subscriber sends me as a reply to my email newsletters, and I try to respond to as many of them as possible, especially if they're friendly, (laughs) and especially if they ask a question. Now let's talk about what you should say in each email. I'm going to give you a big picture idea of what to put in each email, but I also have an example document that goes along with this episode that you can download for free. And in the example document, I took two long dead authors, one fiction and one nonfiction, and I imagined what an onboarding sequence from them would look like. And it was pretty fun because for both of these authors, the internet didn't exist when they were writing. So I imagine what would the internet be like in 1930? What would the internet be like in 1950? Uh, And I had a lot of fun with it. I think you'll find these example emails really useful to kind of help you think outside of the box and to help you know what to put into your emails. And I will say this uh, sequence I'm about to give you is meant to be a generic starting point, just to kind of prime the pump of your creative thinking. This is not the only way to do it. In fact, it's probably not even the best way to do it for you. It's just a place to get started. I want you to feel free to customize as you develop your brand and your platform. Your guiding light should be what is interesting to my reader. And over time, you'll see stats on these emails, and that will help inform you. And you're like, oh, this one email is doing really well. I need to make the emails more like this. Or this email is doing really poorly. I need to make some tweaks. All right. So with that out of the way, let's talk about the emails. And this is a five or six email sequence, depending on how you count. So let's start with email zero, the reader magnet. This email goes out immediately after they sign up. 
Uh, and the goal of this email is to deliver the reader magnet, whatever the free prize is that they get as their immediate reward for signing up for your newsletter. The subject, something like your free download, or you know, you want it to be very specific to what they saw when they signed up for your reader magnet. Uh, if you want to learn more about what a reader magnet is, or if you have no idea what a reader magnet is, don't worry. Just listen to episode 145, How to Create a Reader Magnet. I call this email zero because depending on which platform you use and how you set it up, this email may be attached to the form they signed up with rather than to the sequence as a whole. Mail or light, just to be uh, complicated, does it both ways. So sometimes this will appear in a different place in your email service provider. So don't worry about that. We'll talk about that in the next step. But this email is email zero. There's not much information in this email. Basically, it just needs to say, thank you for subscribing to the list. You might say some of the benefits they're going to get from subscribing to your email list, although you can leave that for the next email. And basically, this whole email's purpose is just to deliver the download link for the thing they signed up for. You don't really want people reading this email. You want them reading the reader magnet. So a single sentence and a button and a sincerely in your name is really all you need for email zero. It's a very, very simple email, which is part of the reason why it's email zero. All right, now for email number one, the introduction. So this email, I recommend going out about a day after the last email. The goal of this email is to help subscribers understand who you are, and the subject could be something like why I write. Uh, this is the email where you introduce yourself to the subscriber, but be careful. You don't want to send your resume. This is boring. Instead, you want to be talking about the why of your writing. Why are you enthusiastic about the kind of writing you do? Now, another approach you can use is to tell the story of how you got into writing in the first place. If you tell that story, though, make it interesting. Follow the storytelling rules. Don't give away the ending at the beginning of the story. You may also want to give them an idea of the kind of benefits that they'll get for staying subscribed to the email list. And in this email, this is the one where you want to start asking questions. So you might say something like, now that you know a bit about me, tell me about you. What got you started reading books in this genre? Some authors will even include a survey for their readers in this first email so they really get to know their readers better. All right, now let's talk about email number two, the book. So in this email, you'll talk about what you write and why the subscriber will find it interesting. Uh, the focus of this email is either about your most recently published book or the book you are working on next. So this is, the, well, the first email is about you. The second email is really about your book. Uh, and to introduce your book, you can share the working version of your back cover copy, which hopefully you already have if you're following book marketing commandment number two, which you can go back and listen to in episode 254. And we'll also have a link to it in the show notes. Uh, once you have your book cover designed, this is where you would include it. So while in general, I don't recommend including images in your emails, this is one of the few emails where I feel like it is a good idea. When you talk about a book in specific, it's a good idea to show off that fancy cover that you have. So I'm not 100% against images, but uh, there needs to be a good reason to include an image and sharing a book cover when talking about that book is a very good reason. And when it comes to closing this email, just close it with a question for the subscriber, maybe along the lines of, uh, what have you been reading lately? Uh, the goal here is to trigger a conversation about the kinds of books your readers like to read. And then, pro tip, you want to be reading those books too. In fact, those can make for really good books to review on your blog. 
or to review in future emails. Read what your readers like to read so you'll know what they like to read so you can write what they like to read. This leads us to email three, the reviews. So I recommend that pretty much every author reviews other books and shares them either on their blog or in their email newsletter or both. Uh, you want this email to come out maybe about three days after the last email. Again, the timing's up to you. You can space it out a little bit more if you want. The goal here is to either establish yourself as someone with good taste if you write fiction, or if you write nonfiction, you want to establish yourself as a well-read expert on your topic. This is a really easy way of demonstrating your expertise. If you, you know, share, hey, I've been reading dozens of books on parenting, and here are the three parenting books I find the most helpful. You want to pick books that are similar to the kind of book that you're writing next. So, you know, only share the parenting books if you're writing a parenting book. If you're writing fantasy books and you have a small child, don't share the parenting books because your readers won't find those books interesting. You want to give your reader some good books to read while they're waiting for your next book to release. This email is also a great way to make friends with other authors, right? Every author loves being featured in another author's onboarding sequence. But don't feature another author just because you want them to like you or because they're your friend. Only feature a book in this email if you feel like it's a valuable and interesting book for your reader. And if you've been reviewing books on your blog, what you could do is just share a sentence or two about the book and then link to your full-length review on your blog. This is a really nice way of boosting traffic to your blog and introducing the reader to your blog while simultaneously introducing them to these other books. Now, you can also talk about TV or movie reviews if they're similar to the book that you're writing, but this is a much riskier strategy. While I do know some authors who have very popular movie review blogs, you have to do it well. <laughs> so don't just say, I like all the popular movies and I dislike all the unpopular movies. There's no real reason to follow your reviews. And then for your question at the end of this email, you know, maybe say something like, speaking of reviews, what did you think of my reader magnet, right? Just keep that conversation going. This is actually a really great way of uh, finding out if there's any problems with your reader magnet and getting some good feedback. Again, the more you're emailing back and forth with your readers, the stronger your relationship will be. All right, now for email four, the connection. This is the email where you will reveal where you can hang out with your readers online. Don't list every social network you've ever signed up for. Just list the places where you're active and where you want to interact with your readers. Uh, this is also where you could mention your blog, podcast, or YouTube channel, or any other place online you want to connect with readers. Now, let me say, if you don't use social media and you don't have a podcast or a blog and don't have anywhere to send it, people, that's okay. You can totally skip this email. This is an optional email. If all you're doing is writing books and you're cranking out novels one after another and you're keeping your head down and you're not doing social media, that is a totally valid strategy. So I just want to validate you in that. <laughs> so uh, if you do, though, send somebody to where you hang out online, you've got to give them a why. Why would someone want to follow you on social media. So for example, a sci-fi author might say, I post many reviews of science fiction TV shows and movies that I watch on Twitter. Or a children's author might say, my podcast on parenting will help you teach your children the values featured in my children's books. Something like that. And uh, I think you'll enjoy in my example document the blog and podcast and reviews that I created for my fictional dead authors. <laughs> so uh, I've got... Dale Carnegie, who's the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, he has a podcast on that. It's the How to Win Friends podcast where he interviews influencers. It's very fun. Let me say this again, though. Your email subscribers won't follow you somewhere else without a compelling 
reason. Uh, they are all asking, what's in it for me? And so if you don't have a good answer to that question, skip this email for now. If you don't have a good reason for why you'd be interesting to follow on Twitter, it's okay to not send them to Twitter. It's better to skip this email than to send them to all of your boring places on social media. Uh, as for the question at the end, maybe ask them something along the lines of, where do you like to talk about books online? This is a really valuable question to know the answer to, because if all of your readers are saying, oh, I go to Reddit to talk about books online, you're like, Gosh, Reddit. Maybe I should go to Reddit, too. <laughs> you want to go to where your readers are. All right. Now it's time for the final email. Email number five, the ask. This is where you ask your subscriber to do something. Maybe you want them to leave a book review or tell a friend about your reader magnet or become a patron on Patreon. The key here is to only ask for one thing. So don't ask for Amazon reviews and Goodreads reviews. Uh, this email will have a higher than normal unsubscribe rate, and that's okay. Many people only want your free reader magnet, and this is when you'll sort the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Uh, if your subscribers won't take action, you don't really want them on your list, like we said before. This is the final email of your sequence. After this email goes out, your subscribers will have a good idea of who you are, what you write, and whether or not they want to keep receiving your emails. And once your emails are written and edited in your Word document or whatever you use, if you use Google Docs or Scrivener, any of them work, but what I'd recommend is you send it to an editor to get editing. So you have really polished, clean emails ready for step three. Speaking of step three, it's now time. So now that you have your sequence of emails written and edited, it's time to set up the automation. Now these steps differ depending on what platform you're using. If it's ConvertKit or MailerLite or one of the hundreds of other email service providers. And I thought about explaining the steps over the podcast, uh, but really this is best done over a video tutorial. And so I'll have links to the video tutorials for both ConvertKit and MailerLite. Your email program hopefully will have a tutorial themselves. Uh, the tutorial in ConvertKit's two minutes long. The uh, tutorial in MailerLite is 25 minutes long. <laughs> so it gives you an idea of which of those is the more simple platform. That said, I do want to give you a broad overview of what the process looks like on any email service so that when you do watch these videos, they make a little bit more sense. So the first thing you do when setting up your automation is you pick a trigger. This is the event that starts the automation. And for an onboarding sequence, the trigger is a reader signing up for your email newsletter. So this is often called something like a form completion, right? Somebody fills in the form, it says subscribe to get the reader magnet and they click submit. Hopefully it doesn't say submit. <laughs> Hopefully it says download or something more appealing. Uh, but whatever it is, the reader is the one who takes the action to trigger the automation. Many email service providers offer multiple trigger options. This can sometimes be a little bit confusing, but you want to ignore all of the options. Just keep it simple and use when somebody signs up for your email newsletter. The next thing you do is you paste in your sequence. This is where you paste in each email from the Word document that we created in the last step, and you'll just copy and paste it into the email builder in your email service provider. And then you set the timing. This is when you schedule how much time in between the emails you want to wait. And you can decide on your own how to space out the emails. And I recommend waiting at least several days between each email. I don't think you want to have you know the emails come every hour, one after another. That will give you unnecessary unsubscribes. But you also don't want to wait too much time where they've forgotten who you are. They need to come at a brisker pace than your normal email newsletter. And you'll find that this onboarding sequence will have a higher than normal open rate. 
Uh, ConvertKit and MailerLite both handle timing a little bit differently, but both ways make sense after you watch their respective tutorial videos. And then the final, most important step is to activate the automation. <laughs> so once you set the trigger, the sequence, and the timing, all you need to do is click Activate, Unpause, or Launch. Uh, the wording varies from service to service, but it's always something along the lines of, Make it so, Mr. LaForge. And that's it. It only actually took three steps for you to launch your sequence. But uh, here's three more steps to help you. So step number four is to test. And this is a really important step. Now that your automation is active, you need to test it. So sign up for your own email newsletter through your website and make sure that the automation works correctly. So some common things that go wrong to keep an eye out for. One is the trigger not set up or you won't get that first email or perhaps you won't get the second email. So maybe the triggering emails connected to the form, but for whatever reason, the form's not connected to the automation. Uh, sometimes this can mean tweaking the settings. It's usually super easy to fix. Uh, another thing that sometimes goes wrong is the emails are left as drafts. I've made this mistake before, but uh, in ConvertKit anyway, each email in a sequence is a draft until you click publish. It's only one click, but I've forgotten to click it in the past. And drafts do not send. So if you don't uh, receive your emails, make sure that each email is active. Another mistake that's very easy to make in MailerLite is to leave the timing off. And you'll see it right away because you sign up for your list and you'll get all five emails immediately. Then you just have to go in and add the timings. All of these problems are really easy to fix, but it can be really embarrassing if you don't know they're happening and each new person is experiencing the problem, whatever it is. So that's step four, test. Step five is to share. This is a really fun step, but I'm inviting you as a listener of the podcast to share a link to your email newsletter sign-up form or landing page in the comments of this episode or in the official discussion thread for this episode on the Novel Marketing Facebook group. This way we can see and experience each other's drip sequences. And if you do a good job with the onboarding sequence, some of the other uh, people who go through it may stick around. So it may be a way of you growing your email list with some fellow authors. And if you need help creating a landing page to sign up for your email newsletter, then do listen to episode 202, How to Create a Landing Page. And if you follow the sequence closely and give me permission, I might even add your drip sequence to the example document for the people listening in the future. We may have the two fictional authors or the two dead authors and then some real live living authors with their examples of drip sequences. And I do want to say, though, don't post a free floating link in the Facebook group. <laughs> I don't want the group flooded with links to people's email newsletter signup forms. That would get crazy. So find the official discussion thread for episode 255 and leave your link as a comment to that post. The final step, step six, is to tweak your email drip sequence. A good time to update your onboarding sequence is every time you launch a new book. <laughs> you want to go and update that book email for sure, but you may also want to update your bio and just make sure that everything is, is spiffy. And as you get feedback again, you'll want to keep tweaking. So this is not something you just set and forget. You'll want to revisit it from time to time. Our sponsor today is the Seven Secrets of Amazing Websites course. This is the perfect companion <laughs> to what we've been talking about. Because the only way for somebody to get onto your email newsletter is typically through your websites. You've got to have a good website. And this course teaches you how to build a website yourself. It's super easy. In fact, students who've never built a website before discover that by the time they've completed this course, their own website is live on the internet. Sometimes they do it all in a single day. So 
I do hope you find the course helpful. The course is free, and you can get it at authormedia.com. Our featured patron today is Carrie Dawes, author of The Ember Series. A hurricane in a series of unexplained fires hits too close to home. I will say the topic of this book is a little too close to home. <laughs> so uh, will it cost Inspector Cassandra McCarthy to protect the citizens of Silver Heights? So thank you, Carrie Dawes, for being a patron. And if you would like to become a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, we'll have a link in the show notes. And if you can't afford to become a patron but still want to help the show, you can. Just use one of the affiliate links in this post. So if you use, if you switch to ConvertKit or MailerLite and you use one of my affiliate links to do that, you help support the show and it doesn't cost you any extra money. Uh, my daughter, Mercy is learning to talk. She's 21 months old and she's starting to put two words and sometimes three words together into little proto sentences. Usually it's the word no followed by whatever she doesn't want or the word mo, which is more, followed by whatever she does want. One of her favorites is mo bu, mo bu, which is her saying more book, which she chants over and over again all day long. They say you get the children you deserve. Well, I got a bookworm, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And all I can say is thank God for grandmothers who have endless patience for reading children's books to toddlers. But uh, Mercy is talking all the time. But beyond the sentences we do understand, most of what she's saying is unintelligible. In fact, even the things that we can understand as her parents, often others cannot understand her because she's still learning to talk. She even talks when there's no one around to listen. She babbles because she enjoys babbling. And slowly and surely, more and more words are emerging from the babble. So some things can only be learned by doing them. And the only way to learn to say words correctly is to first pronounce them poorly and then practice until you can say them better. Now, what is true for talking is also true for writing. The only way to get better at writing is to write. The more you embrace your inner toddler and write, even when it sounds bad, the faster you will improve. Video gamers call this kind of deliberate practice getting good. And if you wait to get good before you write, you will never write enough to get good. My name is Shalene Weaver, and my book called Lovebird, the first in my Fruit Fables children's picture book series, is coming out on October 10th of this year. And something that I've learned while listening to novel marketing, I just can't even begin to narrow it down to one thing. For the last six years, I've been kind of hopping around conferences and reading books and um, just learning what I can in bits and pieces. And since finding Thomas at Novel Marketing, I have finally been able to connect the dots and have made so much progress. And so I like to say that Thomas is my giant pair of Coke bottle glasses that I needed to go from blindly feeling my way to actually having a plan of action. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. To find the blog version of this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit authormedia.com. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.